So in yeah. trading, look, there's some patterns not work for a while. Yeah, like first red days didn't work when, you know, when uh, all of the, the influx of traders come in, first red days stopped working, yeah. gap up. Like my system, I've had to change. So it's weird, like my system that worked very well in January, February, March, and April, and May, and June, in July, in August, I changed it maybe in September and October. I changed the system. If I, if I carried on with that system, I'm losing yeah. big time. So you have to change your system sometimes. Yeah. Because situations change and, and context changes. You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast. A podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen, the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up-and-coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, we'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. Today, it's Stephen Johnson and me, Kim Ann Curtin, and uh, we're going to miss Tim. He's not with us today, but we have an exciting episode for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about the benefits of having been a professional poker player. Stephen's going to talk on that because if you guys recall, he used to be a professional poker player. Uh, I recently became friends with Ray from Confessions of a Market Maker. He too was a professional poker player and he recommended a book to me that blew me away. So that is what today's topic is, is whether being a poker player and or being really familiar with some of the techniques that poker asks of us, if that contributes to be the success of you being a trader. So welcome to the Steady Trade Podcast. Hello, Stephen Johnson. No, and it's uh, it's actually it's actually really good timing on, on numerous levels because um, a lot of the top traders, or a lot of the, the the good traders that I know, um, and I'll not I'll not name names, but we've all actually gone to a poker group. And we all we've been playing against each other. So like other good traders as good at poker as they are at trading. I'll I'll not tell you who won the first game we played against each other, but who who won? I want to know. It was totally me. Good so actually, job. But um, but to be honest, a lot of the guys of former poker players as well, which is a good entrance to the topic because like it's my experience to be a. a pro poker player and I can get into it a bit but a lot of these guys I've been pro poker players pro blackjack players um, and to be honest they've all got into trading either because poker was a bit too difficult or because they were getting thrown out of casinos so it's a bit of both right so but yeah we all end up in day trading I don't know why that is well I think I do know why because I you know I'm reading this book now called The Biggest Bluff by Maria Konnikova and her subtitle is so powerful how I learned to pay attention master myself and win and as I've been reading this book every single quote I feel poker could be removed trading could be put in its place and it's the same it's probable gambling you could, you could take poker out and you could put probably blackjack in. But the diff- the thing is with blackjack, you're playing against the dealer. But with poker, you're playing against people. With trading, you're playing against people. If you're playing 
a multi-table poker tournament, you'll be on a table with nine other people. But there's like, say the World Series of Poker, there's 100, 200, 300, 400 tables all with nine people. So you're playing against 5,000 people. And it's the same as trading. You, I don't know how many people are in a stock at one time, yeah. but you, you're yeah. playing against the masses and you're yeah. having a calculated edge that you've found playing with a system to, to, to get your edge rank, it's called. Yeah. Get your edge. Yep. yep. I mean, I think what she says that really hit me that felt so much like trading was she's like, you could have all the correct information. You could completely be completely following all the rules that you've learned. And yet if luck is not on your side that day, it could still go pear-shaped. So she's saying it's a combination of experience and, you know, education, but luck as well. And the reason she wanted to learn this was she felt that was the closest to life. She felt, look, you can do everything right and still luck can be against you and you can do everything wrong and luck could be with you and you turn out to have a win. So she felt this was the closest to the simulation of what she ex- experiences in life. And that's why, you know, she was a reporter, not, not a professional gamer, but she had Eric Seidel as her coach. Yeah, and, I, know uh, I know Eric yeah. Seidel. Do you? Do you? Yeah, so yeah. He, he sounds like Yoda. He sounds like a Yoda character in this book. So yeah, do famous, you think famous that's true? Um. I mean, uh, what do you mean by uh, by the closest thing to life? Is it uh, you mean by you can do your best and get unlucky, or you can do your best and get unlucky? And some people can cut corners and win, and other people can correct can, uh, work hard she, and not get it. Yeah, correct. She feels it's a com. She said, you know, in poker, yes, you have to know what you're doing, but you also have to be able to stay neutral in the midst of the loss and not take the losses personally or the wins personally. And that to me sounded just so much like what everything you and Tim Bowen have taught me. No, trading and poker are pretty much identical with just one kind of side path or side street where the the path to playing poker and the path to trading is that when in your first year, you are swung left and right and forward and back because you you don't know if what you're doing works or if you're just lucky. So you learn the lot you learn the wrong strategies because you get lucky and that takes you down the wrong path. Now the difference between trade and, and luck, and that's why it's tough. And then and then maybe after you've traded a year or two years or you've played poker a year or two years, you like learn the system. You're like, this system works over time. Um and then, but, and then it's just a case of managing your emotions and being like, don't give in to this mistake, don't give in to that, put full bulletproof tr- truth, tr- trust in your system. Um, the difference between trading and poker is that with poker, you often don't, like say 90% of the pots, you don't see the final hand because there's a lot of bluffing and 90%, 80% of pots, I don't know the exact number, they'll finish on the, on the flop, the turn or the river, or they'll not even, you'll not even see the flop. Whereas with trading, you see a hundred examples and you think, and you think, ah, I did the wrong thing there and I got away with it. Because you see later on, but with poker, yes. you don't see. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel that? Do you feel that your what was your approach with your own bluffing? How did you bluff? Um, it's really it's a good question because 
when when I was playing, when I first started playing profitably in Newcastle, um, I'd started with like 20 quid, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, like 50 bucks. And I won a couple of tournaments just by, obviously I had a system. I'd worked out what people are doing. I'd saw enough hands. Thinking with these cards, you win in this situation 70% of the time. And if you play these cards, you're going to bleed out your stack. You're going to lose all your chips slowly by chipping away. So I played a game where I was like, play really tight. I looked at everyone around us. I was like, all of these people are playing very loose. They're playing all of the hands. They're doing it as a recreational game. So if I play really tight and I only get the best probabilities, the, the skill level is not good enough for me to be found out for playing too tight. And I'll just constantly be putting myself in on the 70, 80% chances and I'll be getting paid because the guys aren't even watching what I'm doing. Then I made enough money, I started playing the cash game tables and a, a sit and go tournament, you'll put 20 pound in, 100 people playing, the winner gets like, 800 pound right if you win but everyone just puts 20 pound in but then the cash games every hand is played for money and you bet money on every hand and you're just playing six people and it's the same six people so they really know what you're doing but the thing with the six people is i would say he's you'd identify the six players around the table and say this player chinese guy chinese business former professional player he's very smart trying to avoid playing hands with them the, the two guys to the right of them have come in and they're drunk. They've got nice shirts on, so they look like they've got money. They've bought them with £100. They've obviously got cash. Uh, these guys will probably just call anything that you put in front of them without taking it too seriously because they're drunk and they're just going to be like, oh, I'm going to gamble. Yeah. Then you've got the guys. Then you've got four players to the right of them who are younger kids. They don't look like they've got as much money. They're playing with £60. They're trying to grow it. And these guys, you're thinking... I can bluff you off most hands because if you lose that money, you're going home and you definitely don't want to go home and you definitely don't want to lose that money. So I can, so I've got a specific wow. strategy against every player. And I, I, I would, and so the going back to the question of bluffing, if I've got poker is very position based. So if, if I'm sitting here and this person folded and this person folded and the next three people who are left to play, if they're all these guys, who are not going to call, and the, say there's money in the pot, I'll just throw in a £100, £200 bet. I've got no cards. I'm thinking you will never call. Like, And it's just calculating probability based yeah. on personality. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's so, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 there's a part of me that's so excited about it that I'm like seriously thinking I want to learn how to play poker now. <laughs> uh, it's it's an amazing game. and But it, it, the internet poker and, and, and in-person poker is very different because on yeah. the online poker, you get a lot of people who play a lot of tables and they're completely playing statistics and probability, just like we do in the stock market. In the stock market, yeah. we say, I've tracked 300 of these setups, 87% of chance it'll work this time. Wow. People are playing poker the same way. They're like, this hand in this with this number of players, it's got a 67% chance of winning if the flop shows this, the first three cards yeah. on the flop. So they just know. So online is very statistical, but in person is very, um, you play the player, which is what I was explaining when I analyzed for bluffs. Did you, did you like playing the player better than playing online? Couldn't win online. I'm very, I'm very good at reading people. And with sport, you know, I have empathy and I, I'm very in touch with yeah. emotional intelligence. Yes. It's the first thing you recognized about me. Yes. I can read people really, really, really well. Yeah. Uh, I can see it on the face. I can yeah. see body language and I can see facial posture and yeah i could read people incredibly well i got to know personalities the way people speak how they say things how they put the chips in yeah 
Oh, shoot. You just froze up on me a little. That's all right. But you're back. Okay, we're back. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the way That's, people... Yeah, go on. What, what do you feel it taught you that you've taken into your trading? Uh, I sometimes think in the same language as, as poker. So being disciplined is being profitable. Mm-hmm. Not losing your head after a bad loss is the way to win. But also the most important thing is in poker, the position button is very important. So if you if you have position, there's a button that goes around. If you have position, you see what the other players do before you act. So you get free information to base your decision on. And with trading, a lot of the times when I'm looking at trades pre-market, I think, why don't you wait for everyone else to act before you act? So why don't you let the stock do what it needs to do? Mm-hmm. And then you have more information to then make a decision because I don't lose Makes anything sense. by missing the... If it, if I miss the stock, I miss the stock. Like if I miss, if it makes the move and I miss it, I make, I miss the move, but I don't lose by missing it. Yes. So yes. It, it pays more sometimes to wait for more information. Do you, would you recommend to beginner traders? Do you think, you know, do you think I should learn poker before I spend time deeper studying trading? No, I think the two, the two, I mean, look, it's like Spanish and Portuguese. If you want to um, learn <laughs> Spanish, you can switch over to speak Portuguese. You know what I mean? And you can that's understand really each other. That's a really good analogy. Yeah, I that's, awesome. that's, a, that's a really good one. <laughs> but if you're going to be playing the markets, Kim, you know, that's Portugal, Portuguese. Don't yeah, learn Spanish. No. Don't, don't, um, okay. don't learn okay. one to speak the other, honestly. Okay. They're both hard enough to learn in the first place. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, you know, I think I think one of one of the quotes I'm going to read you because this one was one of my favorite ones. It says, "The wins really go to people's heads, and the losers they can't deal." It's so easy to be delusional in this game. I I jot it down. Understand the dark side of variance first. That's the only time you'll actually learn to process your decision making well. Because when you're winning, it's too easy not to stop. It's just too easy to not stop and analyze your process. Why bother if things are going well? When it comes to learning, triumph is the real foe. It's disaster that's your teacher. It's disaster that brings objectivity. And it's the antidote and the greatest uh, antidote, antidote to the greatest of delusions and overconfidence. Ultimately, both triumph and disasters are imposters, that Rudyard Kipling quote. They are the result uh, and that is subject to chance. One of them just happens to be a better teaching tool than the other. Yeah, no, it's 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 beautifully articulated, um, and and it's a it's well known. There's well known mantras in trading that are a bit shorter, and it's um, your wins your wins lead to your biggest losses, and your biggest losses are your best lessons. Wow, simple as that. And it's That's exactly right. the same as poker, but it's right. Like if if what you're doing in the market is working. Don't question it. Keep doing it. But Mm -hmm. when you get on a bit too much of a hot streak and there's a sign of like, whoa, that that ran away from us a bit too much. Then you want to be like sized down because the biggest losses always come from the biggest hot streaks. And um, and look, like I've been in the game long enough in trading now where. The thing with trading is the difference between trading and poker is when. In poker, when the card turns against you and you did everything right and the final card turns against you and you lost, you can be like, that sucks and that's terrible luck. 
like fortunes are made on the turn of a card but with trading i'd like to think there are enough signs that are indicators to say that was a warning sign before that happened mm. so to, to really see those warning signs do you feel that it's the experience of being in there or is it the studying uh and the... uh, it's all the experience it's I mean, all the experience it's all, it's all experience i mean through four hours of winning and losing through trading you just develop an intuition of this is going to work and that's not um studying like i've always said like join the challenge join stocks the trade pro the these courses are a yin for me that well, could be two i know the challenge has gone on to be lifetime recently it's good that it's if, if you do two years on the challenge that's enough time to learn the basics but at some point you've got to cut that uh, noose free um yeah. and you've got to find who you are as a trader and a person and a lot of that comes from developing your own personality right trading yeah for sure for sure i think you know part of what uh at the beginning of the book you know the woman uh is having these conversations with Seidel that are sort of around uh, it's almost like he's telling her a story and he wants her to understand the story and that story. She's like, give me the specifics. I want the tactical. She's frustrated by the stories, if you will, but, but she's like, get me in the game. And then what she realizes is that all those stories ultimately are what, is going to inform the tactical and she see yeah. she understands later and part of me you know just my own journey with you guys and my own you know i i can hear myself when i was reading her i thought i want more stories i don't want the tactical yet in a way because i think i'm preparing myself emotionally for what this because i think i know it's such an emotional game that i'm wanting to prepare myself for that so what what would you say to a new trader who similar to me is probably, you know, wanting to still gather information and not dive in the pool yet. I'm sure there's somebody out there like me. You know, you, um, you remind me of a girl called, um, Hannah and I met her at the Tim Sykes conference and uh, she went on to do, to do really well actually, um, at auctions. But, um, I mean, look, you know, you know, my personality type and you know, my extreme nature. So I'm always going to say to dive in. Yeah. I'm always going to say jump in the pool and then figure out how to swim. Yeah. I'm going to say that. Um, <laughs> it's how I am by nature. But it's, there's definitely, a, a, there's definitely value in, in reading around the subject a lot. And especially with the like biographies of the other traders, because these kind of stories and experiences and wins and losses and um, they the do psychologically prepare to think you're okay, right? But also podcasts yeah. like this podcast, yeah. uh, watching other traders' YouTube videos, seeing the real life experiences really prepared to think um i'm not alone here and i'm on yeah. the i'm on the, the same path as others so yeah and i honestly think even my experience just being in this conversation with you Stephen and tim like this over this year the things that i understand now the nuance that i've picked up on it's tremendous i'm shocked at how much 
you know, I understand that I didn't have the vocabulary for in the past. So, you know, but then I also am afraid of like, oh, well, don't get too full of yourself, you know, take it into the, take it into your trading and see if it's real, you know, but honestly, I do think you're right. I think being exposed to the stories uh, and also the, the personalities, that's also been very impactful for me. You do have such a different personality than Tim does. And, you know, Tim Sykes and Gritani and, you know, Kyle Williams, for example, or Matthew Monaco. Like when I look at their personalities, everybody's so unique to themselves. It's fascinating. But I generally, I generally find with the best traders from what I know is that the generally, I wouldn't say introverted, but quite quiet, little bit quiet, tiny bit Mm. shy, but Mm. very, very intelligent and educated yeah. like the real yeah. top ones like if you think of like you've spoke to a lot of them if you think of like roland kyle jack papa john i don't think these guys are like i'm a different personality these guys aren't gonna like shout out loud and, and be yeah. stupid and do something brash and uncharacteristic where i will do that and um yeah. and i think my personality type doesn't lend itself to be as a brilliant trader as quickly as theirs i think there's mm-hmm. something in that i don't know what it is I'm sure I'll go on and make money. And I'm even for me, the way I see the market and the way I see trades and the intuition, when when I'm in, like, say, I chat with other traders and and they're saying, I'm taking a bit of this, I'm taking a bit of that, I'm shorting this, I'm long this. I'll look at it and be like, yeah, you're not seeing that, right? You're not seeing that. And I know, and I know they're not. And be like, you misread that. And my intuition is at a higher level. Obviously, compare that to Jackson. Mine, Jackson intuition is... Way, way through the roof on mine and that's why he's made nearly a million now so it's pretty amazing it's pretty it's, amazing it's a lifelong uh it's a life like look the, what i love about poker and what i love about training is the lifelong quests to perfect yeah. them right it's a lifelong yes. discipline and you're yes. never gonna stop learning no absolutely not absolutely that the two things Seidel says to her in the book is uh some poker player who's had a lot of success is telling him about this particular pattern and very confident, like this always works or this, this, and this, right? Yeah. And Seidel responds to him, question more, stay open-minded. And yeah. the guy does not take kindly to that comment. <laughs> he gets very defensive. But that was that she was saying, you know, that's the heart of why he's been able to stay uh, at the top and not kind of crumble over the years is because he always questions more. And he always stays open-minded. And I just wanted to ask you about that for yourself as a trader now. Do you feel that question more, stay open-minded, is an, a good catchphrase for traders, for trading? Do you know what? It's it's like six and two threes because, I mean, the one of the, was it Dan Crosby I had on recently? Mm-hmm. Dan? Yep, yep. His advice in his book was like, and he said it on the podcast, he's like, find a system, never. Find a system, play like a robot, never deviate. Automate, automate, automate. automate Find a system yeah. and just automate the hell out of it. And 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 then I was reading some book by Mike Mike Covell, I think it was trend trend following, mm-hmm. and he was saying that the art of trend following is to never ever break the system. Like mm-hmm. the the market will pull you psychologically to be like, ah, oh, this time it's different. This time it's different. Yeah. But I think ultimately it shouldn't be different because human behavior should never change. Yeah. So in yeah. trading, 
look, there's some patterns not work for a while. Yeah, like first red days didn't work when, you know, when uh, all of the, the influx of traders come in, first red days stopped working, yeah. gap at, like my system, I've had to change. So it's weird, like my system that worked very well in January, February, March, and April, and May, and June, in July, in August, I changed it maybe in September and October. I changed the system. If I, if I carried on with that system, I'm losing yeah. big time. So you yeah. have to change your system sometimes. Yeah. Because situations change and, and context changes. So well, well, that I think is right there, very key points. Context changes and this the global experience changes. So so I think what I'm hearing you say is find the system that works. Yes, automate to it, automate it and and stay true to it. But there always has to be this caveat unless something else dramatic happened. Something else did dramatically happen. Of course, you would have to reassess. But um, and the system works, you just have to change it a little bit. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Just just change it a little bit. And um, and yeah, so, so that being the answer, then I think you have to always question everything and you have to always... Like that's that's the answer in everything though. The best businessmen are yeah. the ones who as what as listening to Jabba Willink, uh he's like first first impression saw him was like, oh muscle head. Yeah. <laughs> listen so to him on Joe Rogan for two, three hours, and I was like, oh, this guy is very, very, very good at communicating. Uh very good leader. And and he would always ask everyone else, like, what's your plan to go into battle? And I'm like, thank God. Like, and it's the same as any manager should do. They should be like, guys, you're doing it. What, what's your plan? What do you want to do? Yeah. And give them the authority and the autonomy. And then, yes. and then you might want to do this instead of that and make a small tweak. Yeah. But when they go into battle, they're not thinking, oh, Jocko's plan. They're going to right. battle thinking, we're going to do this and prove that our plan, plan is the right plan. Correct. Correct the confidence and belief in oneself. And, and, and I think the word you used is, is the killer is autonomy. We we're very infrequently given autonomy by the culture, usually not by, you know, the family of origin we come from. And we're also kind of taught to surrender to the leaders or to the experts, you know, to the doctors, to the whomever. And I'm, I'm not saying there isn't a time and place for that, but you, you know, just in my own experience, there's times where I went against the advice of the authorities, so to speak, because my heart and my intuition and everything inside of me thought, no, this something doesn't feel right about this. But ha- if I hadn't the confidence to listen to my own autonomy, I probably would have done what they said and it would have been a debacle. But I, I think autonomy is really hard to access for some people. Uh, I think that everyone is making up life as they go along. And yeah. anyone in a... In a, 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 a high level of autonomy or a high level of like stature, they're just doing the same, but with a higher label. And um, like a GP, GP can't know thousands of different diseases. You can see them in the surgery when you go in, like, ah, you've got this. Let us read the book and see what the guidance says on it. Like, can't be a master of everything and often often your intuition is right and often listening to your body is the right thing to do like often you know your own body better than they they know your body is gp a general practitioner yeah general practitioner you you probably whatever you call them you 
you probably use GP instead of an MD in the US. We'd probably say an MD, medical doctor. Uh, MD. That's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, look, I've already, we've already talked about it, but like with mental health, like I remember it's different. You would go see doctors and they'd be like, um, I'll try this drug and then try this drug with it and then try this drug and this drug and then try that drug with it. And I'm like, why, why are you making us take four different drugs? Like, you know what I mean? This is crazy. I'm having crazy side effects. And then, uh, do you know what I found worked best? Just sitting, closing my eyes and meditating and taking some cold showers and it fixed everything. And I'm like, like, why are you guys on all these drugs? Like, all I need to do is listen to my body and have some cold showers and I'm fine. Like, you, you know your body better than anyone with even 20 years experience as a doctor knows it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's, I think it's like finding some middle road between being able to receive the input and then having to weigh out what you feel is good for you, but becoming, you know, somebody who's committed then to your care and observing it and keeping track of it, especially for mental health, you know, because there, there are those who are going to need those medications, you know, you just, yeah, everybody's going to be unique. Everybody's going to be unique. Um... Ultimately, the, it, the, the, the whole topic draws to the close around being a critical thinker. That's, yes. That's what it, and you'd be a critical thinker in trading. You'd be a critical that's right. thinker in poker. And you'd be a critical... And, and as, a, as a culture, US, Western, and British, we're kind of trained to be critical thinkers. Like, we're not... Agreed. Our culture, because I've come from the Middle East, right? Um, a lot of maybe... Like I'll not say specific cultures, but a lot of countries in, in that region can still be in the hierarchical structure that we were maybe in 30 or 40 years where it's, that's yeah. your boss, do what he says, and you don't question it. Absolutely. And to a degree, even probably in the West, the police, the British police, maybe will still be of that system. Like you call me sir, or the army, you call me sir, you do what I say, you don't question it, which is why I'm so yeah. pleased to see Jocko Willing saying, guys, we're going into battle, what's your plan? Yeah. Yeah. So even yeah. even the hierarchical ranks are changing now, right? Yeah, but he's 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 a rare duck. Like he he is. Yeah. I don't think he represents the majority of uh, you know, kind of the average Joe in the military. I mean, he's you know, besides being a Navy SEAL, he's done so much work on himself. His ego isn't tangled up in that authority. You know, he he's a true leader because he's not coming from a place of power over. He's coming from power with. He knows empowering people is what leadership really does. But unfortunately, I think there are still a lot of people who don't have that distinction. Uh, with regards to the military or regards to how to lead people but it, it's inbuilt on us as well though like when you when people want to prove themselves there will always be me me and I, I and this is the right way and i'm right and when people grow in confidence and they've they've proven to themselves that they can do what they need or want to do then all of a sudden the, the ego goes away because they've the filled it, right? The ego goes away in the stuff. And like, all right, it's time to bring you up now. And I want to help you grow because I've already grown. Yeah. But you yeah. can be selfish when you haven't reached what you want. Yeah. Well, I think it's because you're flailing around trying to just get your basic needs met. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're drowning in the ocean and you don't have enough oxygen, it's hard for you to be in tune to somebody else drowning you're just needing to get oxygen. So you can't focus on them and their needs because you don't have your basic needs met. Yeah, but it's a shame. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder if there's a way of addressing that earlier, maybe just educating people on the process. But like, 
That's why kids are self-centered, right? Because they're only caring about themselves because they've got so many different needs and adults are not because they're like, well, I've lived my life kind of thing. And now my life is through your life. I would disagree, though, that adults are not. I think, uh, I think a, a lot of adults are selfish, but it's because I do believe they're, they're kind of self-involved because they're still starving and malnourished and don't have their basic needs met. They've, they've settled, you know, for their wants and they're still feeling unsatisfied. So they go about, you know, continuing to get their wants met but getting your wants met is not the same as getting your needs met it's radically different it's kind of it's kind of i don't think it's a flaw in the human race but maybe it's a flaw in the human race that it's difficult to obtain to get all your needs met to be satisfied because the whole point of surviving is growing right and the whole point of evolving is surviving and thriving and growing so like biologically wired to need to want more I think I think the, that to a degree. some people, many so people. I think I think it's just misinformation. Most people I don't think have ever been taught there's a difference about between a want and a need. And I think even the needs that we have, like you know, freedom, self-expression, community, uh, to see and be seen, for example, those are needs that sometimes by our culture we've made to feel ashamed for. Especially men, you know, men have been made to. I, I've seen men be kind of culturally conditioned to think that they have to not have any needs because they're not a man if they have these needs. Yeah. And that, I think, puts them in a position of denying their own personal needs because they don't want to be perceived by the culture as not man enough. And I think yeah. that does such a disservice to guys. It's, it's horrible. I see that in the East. I don't know if it's in America or in some parts of America. I see that really in the East, East of the world. Um. But I've I've been around the block in life a little bit, 33 now, been around a bit. And my conclusion is that you've just got to be good to yourself. And yeah. and that mean and sometimes that means like uh goggins. Gotta do stuff that sucks to make yourself happy because like if you put, if you do a workout, if you do a meditation, if you do the cold shower, you're gonna be walking around thinking I feel good today. Do you know what I mean? And if you don't do, do it and you eat loads yeah. of chocolate and crisps and have a cheesy pizza <laughs> you're gonna think i'm a, i feel shit and i'm a loser like exactly. it's about just treating yourself what i do now and we're way off topic but what i do now is have yeah. a day for the ego and a day for day for the spirit so if you have a day for the That's ego awesome. you say all right you can have the pizza and have the beer you like the you like beer Stephen. have another beer <laughs> you, you love beer have another beer go and have another one after that do you know what i mean or Ah, you deserve that pizza. Just have the pizza. Put some extra cheese on it. Um, I'll have one day like that, but the next day is a day for the spirit, which means meditation or fast. fast. Like today I've not ate. It's like nine o'clock at night. I've not ate or drank anything but water. Mm. Um, I'll give this day to me body, to prolong in me body, to regenerate in the cells, to, to enforce and discipline to say no to the ego. Say, no, nah, I'm not eating. Don't need to eat. This this is for the body. This is for nurturing. That sounds like a dopamine detox, which we talked about before we recorded today. That's awesome. A dopamine detox is when you don't allow the quick fix to be fed. And that's part, we're all dopamine addicts right now because of our phones, because of technology. Certainly traders are up against that. But what you're doing is you're taking, you know, our ability to do kind of the boring tasks 
is what it, it sounds like you're doing. You're allowing your body to strengthen by seeing that you don't have to be a slave to those, you know, because dopamine, the reason we get kind of hooked in the dopamine is that dopamine doesn't ever feel satisfied by eating the cheesy pizza or having the beer. The dopamine kick is the desire to. So the desire to keeps getting kind of back and back and back in that loop every time we listen to it. Can I just tell you from experience, like I've done, I did like a 70 hour fast or something, do, do more this time. Do you know what happens if you deny yourself the dopamine? Do you know what happens? Tell me. You get one big, big hit of it <laughs> later on. I don't mean one big, big hit, like I'm doing heroin. It's like, no, but it's like a delayed satisfaction. It builds, like say for example, yes. uh, I did like a 60 hour fast the other day and I'm like, don't, don't, don't do the food, don't do the beer, do the exercise, do the meditation. Don't, don't do the things that you go once. And then two to say I'm 50 hours in, I'll be going for a run and life has never felt better. And my body has never felt better. And I've never felt happier. Yeah. So by denying the things that ultimately make you sad, you find the true happiness. Yep. I'm with you, brother. It's beautifully sad, but it's totally sad. It is tough. It's going to ask a lot of discipline of you and it's going to ask you to not go for that immediate dopamine hit. So good job. Good job. I think that's, but that's the kind of discipline that everything that I'm learning about poker potentially is requires and treating and life like discipline in life is pretty damn important. Yeah, but (laughs) do you know what, do you know what happened to me trading as soon as I started fasting? What? Did a lot, lot better. Wow. Did a what lot, lot is, better. What do you feel is the direct correlation there? Two things. Me, my clarity of thinking is two to three times better on fast wow. days. I was terrified. I think if I haven't ate, I'm going to be all over the place. I'm going to lose loads of money. But guess who's speaking? It's the ego, right? The ego is like, you have to have this sandwich and you have to have the pizza. You'll not be able to think properly. I deny what the ego wants and I give me break if I give me body and digestive system a break for mm-hmm. one day for what it's been mm-hmm. doing seven days a week for the last 25 years top job yeah. it must be sick if I give yeah. me digestive system just that day it really thanks us for it and it says Stephen I'm going to give you a ton of clarity because we don't need to focus on this shitty food we're focusing on that's right focusing that's on right. you today we're focusing on yep. you because we don't have to focus on that food that's right. through the roof and, remember, um, remember remember crosby said that the brain takes up 30 percent of our calorie intake so yeah. what's what's happening is now i think though part of your brain it's not working at you know your whole system isn't digesting that food it's all kind of being heightened and yeah. and let me just say this to our viewers like don't try this at home. Like you guys, like he's, he is doing this specific to listening to his body. Everybody has different conditions. Like you guys all have to figure this out for yourself. I can't go 70 hours without food for the most part. I can do, I've done prolon, which is like fast mimicking where I'm taking in some, you know, calories that don't, that trick my body into thinking it's yeah. on a fast, but I'm still getting a little bit of nourishment, but everybody's going to be unique to themselves. So you've got to find your way. This is working for Steven right now. Yeah. But, but the other thing is the discipline. So yes, um, yes. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I, I don't see any good trades. So why would I take one? 
And it's the same, like I've Russian food and somehow in parallel I've Russian trades. Beautiful, Stephen. That is amazing. Congratulations. That but is who, incredible. But who would have thought the correlation of not eating and trading would come so hand in hand? But it's just discipline. It's it's ultimately it's discipline. Just, just discipline. Yep, exactly. Not being a slave to your body's, you know, wants and cravings. Body. Yeah, that's it. That's what it and, is. And just one more thing. When you tell your ego, no, no, I'm not having that sandwich. I'm not having that cheesy pizza with spicy chili on it, bit of pepperoni. You know what I mean? Not having it. When you tell your ego that, what happens when you start trading and things? I just want to make that money. Body says, you already said no to the food. So why are you going to say, why are you going to say yes to that? That's right. That's right. It's beautiful. Magical. Well done, man. Well done. I'm so happy for you. Powerful, so happy right? for you. Powerful. It's very powerful. I, it shows you how, it shows how strong that once you start to develop that muscle, it becomes the muscle that guides your day-to-day trading, your day-to-day life. You see what you're capable of. How do you not then continue to uh, accentuate that? And exercise it, yeah. Because what do you want to imagine? Uh, you have to go to bed and lie lie in bed that night and think you really let yourself down today. You don't want to do that. You, you really don't, don't want to go down to bed and think you really let yourself down today. That's it. It's the word to ourselves. It's keeping our word to ourselves. And once you become a a man or woman of your word to you, everything changes. I I learned that through the Landmark Education course where they were just so adamant about the word that giving your word was everything. And to yourself, it's just game changing because you don't do it because of that other person. Like I told my friend, I'd be there at whatever time. Like you're there because that is the word you've given to yourself. Yes, of course, your friend's involved. But the point is, it's more about you being a man or woman of your word and doing that for ourselves with regards to the, you know, discipline of eating certain way, not drinking a certain way, trading a certain way. I think it's a game changer. You talked about Wim Hof. So I I had one question about him. Are you also doing his, uh, in addition to the cold shower, uh, rinse are you doing the breathing technique um I mean I've never look to be honest I was given a different breathing technique like months and months ago that worked really really well and I had the side effects of the tick and tingling on the face on the nose on the cheeks when your yeah. hands vibrate lightly um, yeah had all the side effects that people who use this technique have used but when I tried his technique I didn't get the same powerful feeling I felt yeah. like the, the technique that I'd been given was more spiritual for me, but, yeah. but like there's no better feeling than having highly oxygenated blood, right? There's no better feeling in it. It's really easy to, to go into the cold shower, to feel the cold yes, and to withstand it. I don't know yes. how, I don't know how your pH levels or whatever. I don't get how yeah. it works, but it works. Do you know or well, no? I, I, I know what happens is that you slowly build. I think part of the cold shower forces you to go into the deeper breathing. I know what I'm doing and I am definitely doing some deep breathing because to withstand the cold, I mean, it's, I have to kind of like breathe through it because it's so, but, but I don't know physiologically what's, what's being kicked up. I mean, look, you're, you're, I mean, obviously we relate to each other now because you, you live by the same principles that I live by. Right. So what's, yeah. what's your routine? of like self-love yeah what's yours yeah 
Mine, mine honestly is uh, the meditation and the connecting, you know, to the spiritual. How, what how I, long are you meditating each day? What are you normally so, doing? Sometimes, sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it's longer. Uh, it isn't always uh, just sitting in stillness and breathing. Sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes it's kind of just sitting and connecting to the divine because I yeah. can feel that kind of a connection. I, but my other uh, place for self-love is outrigger paddling, going out in the ocean yeah. in a six-man canoe or a one-man, which I don't, I don't own a one-man, but I've been out on friends one-mans to just be connected to nature and the, the way, you know, we have dolphins out there, manta rays and sharks, obviously. And, and just to somehow be out there reminds me that whatever ch- challenges I have, how small they are compared to this vast, yeah. gorgeous, you know, ocean and islands and the mountains looking back at them. Usually I'm out there in the morning. So the sun is coming up behind one of the yeah. 14,000 foot mountains. And it just keeps you like really kind of connected to what's important. And if you ever have a dark night where you can see the stars and you can see quite deep into the universe, then that's that's a whole nother experience in itself to feel like you're a very small part of a very vast Correct. thing, right? Correct. We don't have any light pollution on this island because we have telescopes on top of that mountain. Beautiful. And so the star the, the gazing of stars here is the best in the world. So it's crystal. It's like looking at a planetarium. You know, when I was back in New York City, I go to the the Hayden Planetarium to just see the stars. But now it's like, oh, I get to really see stars, <laughs> not a planetarium. No, but I mean, yeah, and you'll see them really well. But do you know when you know that you're connected? Like, for example, two two, two experiences I had recently where I was like, I'm totally connected. I ran past a horse today, and I looked at it lying. It was lying and the cold kind of frosted ground but it looked content it was just lying down and I just looked at it and I thought look you and me are the same brother you and me are just the same brother that was that was a funny experience that I had and I thought that's if I tell people that they'll think I'm crazy I think it's beautiful a strong connection to this horse I think you and me are just the same and you're no better than me and I'm no better than you um and the other one was when I thought I don't, I don't need to eat food ever again because I'm just going to run in nature and feel the power of the sun for my energy source. <laughs> that was the other thing that I thought, this is going crazy, but you get where I'm coming from, right? I do, I do. I mean, look, there there are known gurus in India that are called, uh, air, air. How, how did they pronounce it? Like they live, they they eat the air. Like they, these, these gurus up in the mountains, I mean, they're meditating 24 seven, but there are stories, you know, Yogananda talks about the, uh Yogananda wrote you know an amazing book about his journey as a as a teacher and a student um and he talks about those monks that are up in the mountains you know who live on divine sustenance so to speak but but nature is power right like nature nature gives power absolutely and this is where Wim Hof comes from he he said he because Wim Hof lost his wife his wife committed suicide so it's pretty tragic yeah um and he read he read every book he read every religious text he read every self-help text uh and he says this can't be it he says it's got to be more it's this search that we all have there's got to be more yeah yeah and then one day when he got into the cold he said scientifically i can't explain this but i feel inside that this is right and this is it 
and yeah. he said the cold is my god he said something like that the cold is wow. my divine the cold is my wow. divine and then later it was proven by science that what he was talking about wasn't lies it was kind of the truth exactly he felt exactly. from within eh? exactly and that's and that's you know joseph campbell's the mythologist that really influenced my life so deeply his power of myth series is on amazon you would absolutely love it Stephen. you got to watch that one day joseph it's six campbell. hours yeah, six hours, the power of myth, the best storytelling you'll ever hear. And he says, you know, that the whole journey of the hero is that you wind up kind of going outside of yourself, but ultimately at the end of that journey, it brings you back into yourself. And it's like, you realize that, you know, you, it's really you and the, 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 that which you've been seeking is within, but you sometimes have to find it by kind of and, uh, you know, it, you realize, you see within yourself that this is what it's about, that, that divinity, like that connection to that horse in that moment or to nature. Yeah, there's a common saying that you can travel around the world looking for it and then find it at home. You can travel exactly. the world looking for something and find it at home. And, the end, and it never left you. And uh, since I lived my life by that principle, it's, I, I changed inside a lot. It's, you're not going to find happiness externally. You're going to, you're only going to find it within. And if yeah. you can find it within, you're going to radiate it. And that's going to make other people happy as well. Correct. So, so like, for example, when my mom, I always tell my mom, she's like, ah, oh, did this book class and all told us how good I was and all were praising us and telling us how good I was. It's like, that's brilliant, man. It's brilliant. And I'm glad that I had a good experience, but I want you to feel that internally you yeah. did a great job because you are good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe I, can I do say that better, but yeah, I think it's beautiful. Are you acknowledged her? And that's, that's part of how she finds her way to seeing it for herself. But you know, we, we have to like, everybody's got their journey and like all the things that you're seeing right now for yourself, all of what you've gone through in the past, all the pain, all the struggle, all the suffering, all the longing or, you know, uh, aching, that is what facilitated you being able to be where you are today. Yeah, I just think I just wasn't conscious. That's the only way I would put it. That's the best way I can put it. It's like, well, none of us are conscious until we are. So like, there, but there's a waking up process. There's a, a stretching, a growing, and, and it's all perfect. Like it took you to, to today to see what you're seeing, but that's perfect because now you see what you see. But the, the happiness is profound. Like when you run and connect with a horse and feel empowered through the nature, like I'm not smoking weed or anything. This is how I feel normally. Just, believe you. you. Know, I believe forward. you. I mean, this is just a normal day. And hey, I, I, get, I get bad moments as well if I don't do the work. If I don't get, if I don't do the work, just straight back downhill, straight back downhill. Yes, yes, yes. We're, we're hormonal creatures and, you know, uh, there's a lot happening within us. And if we are conscious of it and are doing things that support the best uh, kind of internal physiology, 
that is going to go a long distance. And by eating well and by honoring your body's needing to defrag, it's like a defrag of the computer, I feel, fasting. It allows our body to kind of defrag. And that doctor that uh, talks about the prolonged fast mimicking, he says, when your body is fasting, your body's able to clear out a lot of the things that are no longer serving you. And that facilitates yeah. longevity. His, his book is called The Longevity Diet. And he talks about ways to, uh, you know, that, that the people who live a really long time are people who are learning how to do right. some intermittent fasting. But do you think a tiger, a tiger in the snow or a tiger and it wakes up in a tons and it has its family, like the tiger's not thinking forward and backwards. Tiger's not worrying Correct. about some problems. It's, uh, it's, it's in the cold, which is good for its immunity and system, first of all. And it's just absolutely living in the moment. Every moment, it's living in the Correct. moment. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it thinks that other tiger really pissed us off yesterday. Like it might, it might <laughs> I think, think that. They do. I, I don't, don't know think if they, they do. do. Right? I don't think they do. <laughs> I like that. That selfish tiger ate most of me food yesterday, and now I'm hungry. I, I don't know if they think that. I don't think they do. That's probably in in one way. That's probably wonderful for them but it's also what sets us apart right so like there's a there's a gift and a cross that comes with our uh the way our minds works but it's also why we're at the top of the food chain i mean we are at the top of the food chain so you know but the point is okay how do i potentially follow what they are successful at which is being in the moment but they are also creatures that will tremor and tremble out any trauma right human beings don't know how to do that we swallow it and that's part of why I think we numb as well. We numb so that we don't have to be with those hard to be with feelings. Whereas animals don't numb. They actually tremor and tremble out whatever that trauma is. They're in life and death situations every single day. And they will allow their physiology to experience it fully so they can discharge it and move on. We have not been taught to do that. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the evolution that we've had is a gift and a curse in a way. You need to sometimes... Sometimes when you move and progress, like as humans, we've evolved extremely quickly. Sometimes when you go a bit too fast, you leave some little nuggets behind of like, oh, I actually needed that. Or I made that mistake. Go back, yes. correct that mistake, and let's keep yep. pushing forward. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. I'm so happy for you. We probably should close this up, but it's just, this is like a long format Joe Rogan-esque type uh type podcast today tim poen would be proud of us i think steven yeah, no you would and we've covered a lot of really important points and and i'm sure the i'm sure whoever's listening or whoever comes to listen because there's actually faces behind the numbers right yeah exactly you, forget, you kind of forget that i've done this for three or four years now and you forget that there's there's faces which is why whoever's hit us up on instagram and whenever they hit us up and i really i really like it because i'm like oh shit you guys are people are in it's like people are you could yeah. be in a chip shop you could be on the morning bus to school and and people are actually correct. listening to that it's it's correct really nice correct. and if anything i think every person needs to see the humanity your humanity you know my humanity like that we're that we're people with our own struggles and challenges and uh, strivings to become the better version of ourselves and and we're just all in it together just like you seeing that horse like every person that's watching us like it's just like we're all in it together we're all just trying to do the best we can with what we got you know yeah no and like that horse is looking at us like what's up brother and i'm like exactly what's up brother 
I'm like, you don't even need to say anything because you get life and I get life and we'll both get life together because the horse gets it, right? The horse is an animal that's present. It doesn't have that thinking thing. So, But it's it's got a soul. It's got a soul. I believe it's got a soul. I believe it's got consciousness. It's pure though. But our souls are almost not pure because we get derived and knocked unconscious by we're thinking. But once I get my clarity thinking, I'm like, I'm on your level now, brother. We're on the same level. We're now on the same level. I've cleaned my mind. I'm on your level. And it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. And that's what... Maybe the horse is like, I'm cold. (laughs) I'm not happy, brother. But he didn't say that it was... He didn't say it. He didn't. He didn't. I think he was in connection with you. And I've had that... I had that happen with a whale out on the ocean. That sense of connection. Yes. It was... It was so close to us that I remember thinking either this is how I die or I will never forget this day for the rest of my life. Tell us the story. I I remember thinking that even if I died, it was worth it. It was that profound. Yeah. It was like a religious experience. It was uh, a young, uh, young man who was sitting in front in seat one started to do a Hawaiian chant, which was calling the, the whale in to to towards us and our canoe we were pretty far out on the ocean and the the whale i swear like a little puppy dog responded to that chant and i just remember like starting to shake because i mean i don't know if you've ever seen a whale but they're really big big, (laughs) it's like the size of a school bus and we're in this little like six-man canoe you know it's not that big very skinny and uh as he chanted this song you know, he was also rhythmically kind of pounding on the canoe. And this whale came probably was within 12 feet of that canoe. And it's, I, you know, was looking up at us. It was like not on the top of the surface. It was just like part of its body was. And it was the, the energy off this whale was the energy I can only describe of pure consciousness, pure, pure love. And that feeling of connection, it was just like, I am one with this whale. This whale is one with us. Like we are all interconnected. There was, yeah. and it was just tears. I mean, I don't think there was a dry eye in the canoe. We just all were weeping because its energy was so crystal clean and pure. And there was no separation. That was the most profound thing. So when you said that about the horse, I was like, wow. I don't know what he's talking about. Wow. I know what Do he's talking about. It's a beautiful story, by the way, and I wish I could have experienced it, but maybe there'll, there'll be more. In time you'll, come, you'll come in Hawaii and you'll experience it because they come in December. They'll be flowing through Maui and our island. That's the channel where all the whales come and do they have their babies here and they have an escort that takes them down uh, from up north so they can give birth here, get the calves Insane. ready to go, and then they go back but uh, you, th- that story actually reminded me of um saw it on Instagram, totally random. But a a fifteen year old girl, she was with like four other girls. She dropped her mobile phone. These iPhones are waterproof these days, are quite waterproof. Little girl dropped her phone in the sea, like off, over a bridge. She's like, I've lost my iPhone. A dolphin passing by saw the phone, swam down, picked it up in in its mouth, came back up to the shore, and then opened its mouth as the girl reached to pick the phone back out and then as as it picked the phone out it just opened its mouth up to smile and opened its eyes out bright to be like i've got you do you know what i mean i got totally got totally how does, how does the dolphin know that 
the mother because they have on... superior intelligence. I mean, I we've experienced the dolphins out on that water when we uh, are paddling, and there'll be five or six canoes, and the the spinner dolphins will come and. Uh, swim with us at the speed of our canoes and they'll start jumping up and down like they're playing with us we're yeah. we're all play, like they're playing they're with us as we're paddling and it's like they're like hey man we're gonna we're gonna like you know play with you guys as you guys are paddling and Let's it's just out. it's the most incredible feeling because they are connecting with us but you, you'll That's... have that experience with the dolphins often and they'll come often, often. really often often yes yes it's it's incredible it's incredible and they and you can hear them you know the spinner dolphins will also they'll jump out of the water and they'll just spin and then go back down like they're just showing off I mean it feels like a bunch of 10 year olds who are actually showing off like they're like see what I can do look at my flip look at my you're just like are you guys kidding me yeah but it's it's all so love beautiful. it's all love and it's, it's all, all love, love. And energy right it's all love and just joy and you know there's a story too of a couple of dolphins here who showed up when a shark uh was in you know a surfer area the dolphins will sometimes swim in and protect the uh surfer or the swimmer from the sharks so yeah the dolphins they're just intellectual breed for sure as are i believe the whales all the creatures out there, they are, it's, it's, it, you're in their world as opposed to thinking, yeah. you know, I haven't gotten a diving uh, class yet, but my friends are like, you have to do it because then you realize how big the planet is and how we're just a small part of, you know, the ocean takes up the majority of this globe. So uh, there's a whole nother world out there that we're just not experienced to or really connected to. And it's our loss, not theirs. Yeah, I mean, maybe a spider doesn't have a soul. I don't know. Maybe spiders, they don't have good energy. Uh, some people, you know, Tough are to not... Find are, Tough to I th- find I, th- I, think, I think spider would be easier. I read Anansi Boys by Neil Gaiman, which changed my whole relationship to spiders. What I was used to be very afraid of spiders, but that book, he he puts personality upon them. And all of a sudden, now I see spiders totally different, by the way. Okay. It's, a, it's an yeah. amazing book. It's a great fiction book. But but I think it would be hard for me to put that on a cockroach. On that same, would be yeah. a struggle for me. Like, I, don't think, I don't think cockroaches have got good energy, right? They're horrible <laughs> little creatures and they don't help anyone. Just... That, that, that would be hard. I'm sure they help in some way, the, you know, getting rid of garbage no. and stuff but i mean look I enough know. enough meditation you can connect with anything right i mean exactly you, you're enlightened and you've reached nirvana when you connect with the cockroach that's for sure. exactly i guess i got a long way to go <laughs> <laughs> me too i'm nowhere near <laughs> oh so good to connect to you on just a deep level today Stephen. thank you for this conversation no worries it started started with poker and it's gone to enlightenment i really love that i think i think that's i don't think i don't think me and you can have too many podcasts that don't end up in enlightenment to be honest it's, <laughs> a, it's a subject not. that we end on quite a lot <laughs> hopefully hopefully our viewers like that we'll find yeah, out yeah, sure. we'll see <laughs> and if they don't right. they just need to meditate more exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) so thank you guys for coming today to the steady treat podcast and boy we covered so much ground in this one and if you guys have questions you know for steven and i especially around what steven's doing for himself 
Uh, I know he'll answer those questions. Probably best to hit him up on Twitter because he's always on Twitter. But you can certainly put comments in the in the comments box on YouTube. And then, gosh, I, usually what we say is we'll link to everything in the in the blog post. Uh, that's maybe maybe today that's not possible, folks. But, no, but I'm well, happy on well, Twitter. I'm, I'm junk eighty seven. There you go. There you go. Perfect, perfect. But thank you for the poker. I'm still a little intrigued by poker. I still might want to learn, but I will play probably the game. jump. It's very good. You can play. Yeah, play. yeah. I've never and, learned. Uh, for free, no cash. Okay, good. All right, I'll try to try to learn it. Just sounds fascinating to me after reading that book. All right, well, we'll see you guys next time on the Steady Trade Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this deep conversation today. Aloha. <laughs>